0: Planet Pod, essential listening for everyone who cares about the planet. Welcome to this special edition of Planet Pod with me, Amanda Carpenter. And today we are discussing the weighty issue of lead poisoning. Excuse the pun. You've just done a double take, as lead poisoning is something we associate with our past. We know lead is poisonous, so we have banned it from petrol, paint, and pipes, but not from the human food chain. How come? The answer is lead is still widely used across the UK and Europe in shot. Range of birds and other wildlife are killed with lead shot, but also some of the animals that we eat that enter the food chain. This may seem a niche issue, but when I looked into the facts and figures, I was stunned by the impact and prevalence of lead and the danger it presents not just to our wildlife, especially our birds, but to us as well. On the eve of a crucial European vote, I'm delighted to be joined by my special guest today to discuss the dangers of lead in shot and what we should be doing about it. Sasha Dench, an old friend of Planet Pod, is known to many as the human swan, famous for her flight along the migratory path of the Buick Swan by paramotor from Arctic Russia to the wetlands of Slimbridge. Recently, Sasha was appointed as UN Ambassador for Migratory Species, and although the pandemic halted her plans to fly with the ospreys this summer, nothing stops her in her tracks for long. Sasha, hello, and it's great to have you back on the podcast. Hello, hello. Thanks very much for having us. Niels Kanstrup is a wildlife biologist, scientist and hunter. He has worked with the Danish Hunters Association, been the president of the CIC Migratory Bird Commission and a member of the AEWA Technical Committee. As well as working as a freelance wildlife and nature advisor, he is adjunct senior scientist at Aarhus University. Throughout his career, he has focused on the sustainability of hunting, particularly the issue of lead in hunting ammunition, both as an advisor and scientist. He is also a keen hunter. Niels, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Planet Pod.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: Dr. Julia Newth, Ecosystem Health and Social Dimensions Manager at the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust, uses a holistic approach to examine the ecological and human dimensions of complex conservation issues that affect wetland wildlife and seeks to design and implement appropriate solutions to bridge research, policy and public platforms. Julia works directly with hunters and uses methods from social sciences to understand their perspectives on the use of lead and non-lead ammunition. Julia, welcome to Planet Pod and thanks for joining us. Good morning. Hello. And as we are all about balance on Planet Pod, my fourth guest for this discussion is also a hunter. John Gregson began his journalism career as editor of The Shooting Times and after working in agriculture and public affairs, moved to Waitrose in 1999, where he has held a variety of communications and corporate social responsibility roles. He's been involved in the lead debate since the early 90s, first as a sceptic, and now as a passionate advocate for change to non-toxic alternatives. He was one of the people behind the Waitrose non-lead policy, and is puzzled by the reticent attitude of some in the shooting sports to face the facts around lead shot. John, welcome to Planet Pod, and thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so very much. Great to be here.
0: This is a tricky and complex debate and it involves a range of complex and strongly held views from all sides. And we'll do our best to unpick and share the best of current thinking and practice. But perhaps I could start with you, Sasha, to give us a kind of overview, if you like, a bird's eye view of what's happening to our wildlife and specifically our birds and wetland birds
3: basically every time a lead cartridge is is fired, up to 300 tiny little pellets of lead um, shot out into the sky. Some of those may or may not hit an animal, um, but the rest of them fall on the ground. And um, particularly where that lead is is shot over wetlands, um, water birds who are feeding um, cannot distinguish small pellets of lead from grit or food. And water birds have a, have a gizzard, a muscular gizzard, and they, they normally eat a kind of grit to help them grind down, down the food. Um, but the problem with lead pellets is that when they end up in a bird's gizzard, they're ground down, um, that, um, and, and lead is a really potent toxin, so that will get into the bloodstream, and it can affect the entire nervous system of the bird, also any of the organ systems. So it causes um, paralysis um, and all, all sorts of other issues. Um, But it's not only the the birds that may be be poisoned or killed by this, it's also the scavengers that then go on to eat that bird um, that can also be poisoned, and that can be birds of prey, it can be foxes and other animals. But there's another issue um, with lead, in that once it's sprayed across land and and into water, um, it can be absorbed, and once it's in the water, it can also get into the plants and then be eaten by others. So it is a toxin that we're basically... Through shooting, spreading all across the land, and this is could be seen as a niche issue, it's just where the shooters go. But in total, across Europe, the amount of lead we're spreading across the land is uh, amounts to 20,000 tons every year. That's 20,000 tons every year, year on year. Um, and with birds eating that, um, the total that have been calculated to die from that just in the UK is about hundred thousand every year and across Europe a million every year so that's a million that die from it and about another three million that are poisoned not to the extent of dying Um, but it is still a horrendous a horrendous issue a horrendous issue for wildlife and for the landscape in general.
0: So Sasha those are really terrifying statistics you've just shared I mean a million birds a year dying and another 3 million, did you say, being affected by ingesting lead? And the lead is getting into the waterways and it's getting into the, just into the landscape generally. And presumably because of that, it's building up slowly, accumulatively over time in the food chain. So this isn't yes. just a problem for today. This is a problem we're storing up for all of those
3: future generations of birds as well. Yes. And that's, that's 20,000 tonnes of lead across the land every year, year on year. So that is building up. That's Pretty scary,
0: isn't it, Julia? I mean, a lot of your work is around the science, and we were saying, you know, the kind of the link between human systems and ecosystems. These are, these are pretty terrifying statistics, and as Sasha said, surely that's case
4: made. Absolutely, uh, it's quite horrifying, actually, the the true impacts of this extremely dangerous toxic substance, uh, which we've used for thousands of years um, in various things. But over time, we've come to realise just how dangerous it is. Um, It's regarded as a one health issue, which means it poisons people, it poisons wildlife and it contaminates our environment. And this isn't a new issue. Uh, So, for example, in wildlife, we've known that lead has poisoned birds since the the late 1800s was the first case. Um, But with time, we've come to realise just how dangerous it is for people as well. Um, The evidence has been building up over the years. Um, year after year, and in fact, at this point now, the science is absolutely clear and it 's unanimous and we know how deadly it is, um, both with its lethal impacts, as Sasha said, you know a million water birds a year in Europe dying of this, and a further three million suffering from sub lethal impacts so it 's important to sort of also understand that it 's not just about mortality um things dying it 's also about these sort of more subtle um, insidious sort of um, issues going on in in our body systems, and so for birds that can mean you know if they have a certain level of lead in their blood, um, they can have reduced breeding success, they can have uh, problems with their mo- mobility, they can have neurological disorders, just a huge uh, swathe of sublethal impacts impacts on vital organs um, so it really isn't a, a huge a huge problem um, for living organisms and in fact. Um, the science is so clear and we can, we now know that there's no safe level of lead uh, for for the body. So it is, it's that deadly.
0: Which is why we've banned it. You know, I mean, we banned it some time ago from petrol, didn't we? And from paint and, and from our pipes, because our water pipes. So we know it's bad. So we know it's bad for us as human beings. And it's clearly devastating for wildlife so why have you I mean you've done some research around this why have you found resistance among the hunting community to just changing to alternatives because there are alternatives aren't there to lead shot there's a very clear um, usable and as effective in terms of you know using it for hunting and for, for killing wildlife there is an alternative form of shot so why are hunters resistant?
4: Well it's quite complex and there's a number of reasons I'm sure uh, Niels and John will also have their, view, their views on this. Um, but I have spent quite a lot of time also um, interviewing hunters um, to try and understand their perspectives um, about the, the issue as a whole um, and their use of lead ammunition and non toxic alternatives. Um, and it, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, the, the science is clear, um, but hasn't always been communicated very clearly, actually, to the hunting community. Um, and I think that's been one of the, the sticking points. I think that's changing now, actually. And certainly, particularly in the last um, year or two, we are seeing more, more of that sort of science come into the, sort of the shooting sort of media, which is which is fantastic. And the messages are, are sort of uh, of getting across there. But also speaking to hunters as well, um, lead, lead is a bit of a, a funny issue in that it's so sort of insidious in the way that it affects birds. You know, quite often individual birds go off and, and quietly die in a ditch, for example. You're not seeing your hundreds, piles and piles of hundreds of dead birds, you know, like you would see with avian influenza or avian, but you know, botulism, for example, where it's a really visible disease. We call this the invisible disease for this reason. Um, so I can I can understand it when hunters are not necessarily always convinced because they have they simply haven't seen the, the deadly impacts themselves. We're working on the front line, we're looking for this, we're testing birds. Uh, And when you look for something, you find it, but it's not always that obvious. So we really do rely on good communications, um, particularly from shooting organisations and the shooting media to get these sort of key messages across and to get that evidence across. You know, when I spoke to numerous hunters out on my sort of travels around uh, trying to find out more, there was there was also a lot of fear about the ballistic qualities of the non-toxic alternatives. Um, and whether they would stand up to scrutiny and be as effective as, as lead shot. And that was particularly among those um, game shooters that weren't used to using the non-toxic alternatives, actually. And there was, there was, it was obvious that those that were used to using, for example, steel ammunition... Um, were were really quite happy to use use those uh, alternatives and the fear wasn't there. I was chatting to a a farmer a couple of days ago about this and he
0: said the problem with steel shot is anybody who uses um, a historic or ancient or older rifle, so the kind that are very common in the UK because they're seen as collector's items and are still used, actually the steel alternative doesn't work. And you're in danger of the barrel exploding on on you. Now, is that true? Could that be true, Nielsen, John? I mean, your hunters—is that the case?
2: Um, there are proof regulations, so uh, sporting firearms are proved at the proof, uh, the proof houses, which are uh, based in sort of London and Birmingham. Um, and there are rules of the of the of the uh, pressures of ammunition that that, that that you can use. So, it's a concern. But from a personal perspective, um, I've got a very good friend in the States and my working with with steel in particular started way back in the mid-90s and he was shooting the steel that was then available, which was was much less sophisticated than the steel loads we have now. And he was shooting them through all kinds of very expensive antique guns with no issues at all. And that kind of opened my eyes that actually, um, as long as you... As long as you understand the ballistics of the ammunition you're using and you understand the limits of the, of the firearms you're using and you, and you take a bit of an academic interest in making sure everything is, is right, then there will be no issues at all. But I think, you know, historically with the older steel ammunition, I'm talking sort of 15, 20 years ago now, the concerns were probably valid. But the technology that is coming into play now particularly around the shot wads, which, which is effectively the cup that holds the shot. The technology now is is at the stage where, you know, we will see, we, hopefully, if the ammunition companies do what I hope they'll do, uh, you know, you shouldn't have to have those concerns about using those older, more expensive guns. But it's, you know, I I personally think as a hunter, and not speaking for Waitrose now, this is my, my own personal view, you've got to make a bit of academic effort. I think it's part, you know, it's part of it. If you're going to do something as serious as go hunting to put food on the table, uh, it's not something you should do without thought. And it's not something you should do w- without a mindful approach to exactly what you're doing. And I think whether it's you know, whether that's in your attitude to the use of lead or that's in, in, in working out what's the right ammunition for the gun you're using and doing a bit of research and a bit of legwork you know, it's part. It's part and parcel of it.
0: Neil, says that how it worked in Denmark? I mean, because you've swapped, haven't you? No longer you use lead ammunition; you use steel instead, don't you? We
1: we have swapped, yes, uh, many years ago now, and I can only echo what John said here, but perhaps also add that steel a steel shot cartridge is not a only. It's not just a steel shot cartridge. You have a huge variety from standard loads to high velocity loads. And in fact, the same applies also to lead shot cartridges. So you could easily find a lead shot cartridge that you could not fire in your own old um, vintage uh, gun. So as John said, you, you simply do some need to t- uh, make it, uh, be concerned about this, do some academic work to see what, what fits with with the situation you're in. But today we have all types of steel shot uh, cartridges that could fit to any gun that could fire a lead shot cartridge. And on top of that, we have other types of non-lead ammunition that the most popular is bismuth, uh, but also tungsten. And these these metals are pretty much similar also to lead. They are also soft metals. So if you are very uh, worried about your old gun, your baby gun, whatever you call it, as a, as a keen hunter, then you could uh, choose some of these um, ammunition types that have been developed to be almost like lead.
3: And one of the, when I was part of my, my visit to Denmark to, um, to interview uh, even um, gun dealers as well, they showed me a range of old English guns that are being used in Denmark perfectly fine. So the guns doesn't seem to be a valid argument either.
0: So that's part of this mythology, isn't it? But how, Niels, how did you convince your colleagues and your, your fellow hunters to, to make yeah, the how, shift?
1: And how did I convince myself? Because I started this business many years ago now as a very young biologist in the mid-80s. Mid I started as, a, as an employee for the Danish Hunters Association at that time. And the very same year, that was 1985, we got the first partial regulation of lead shot in in some wetlands in Denmark. And being a hunter, having that prospect at that time, we were very concerned, could this be the end of hunting? And I had about precisely the same concerns and worries that I hear also some hunters have now, and I presume that also John remembers from that time, even if he's yeah. pretty younger than I am. But, but <laughs> we... we Learned by doing, we got uh, alternative that was at that time only steel shot. We got American uh, brands of steel shot imported and some of them were okay and some of it was quite bad. Uh, but as also John said, uh, steel shot and other uh, non-led uh, shot types developed in high quality types. And then we got this in 195. we got the first uh, partial with the coming into force in '86 and then 10 years later we made a total uh, ban on all lead shots not only the use but also the possession of lead shot and trade of lead shot and today that's like what is that 24 years ago now and today we can look back and say did this harm the hunting no it did not we have more hunters today than we have ever had did it harm the hunters no we are still alive most of us uh, and if not it's not because of the banning of of the of the lead shot and everything is stable just as we see it in the Netherlands where there's also also been um, a ban on on lead shot for many years nobody complain about this no no uh, there's no fuss um, the hunters are satisfied and what's interesting for these two countries is that they today for for instance the Goose hunting and culling of goose or geese also is uh, higher than, than than ever before, uh, and all this is done with non lead So it's I think Denmark and the Netherlands, also North America, is a proof that this can be done. It's a, it's possible.
0: Well, clearly then, it's in the hunter's interest. Um, you don't want more birds dying than the birds which will stop you from being able to hunt them, because if there's fewer birds, there's fewer birds to hunt. So it's in the birds' interest, it's in the hunters' interest. So where is the opposition coming from? Why, why is this not custom and practice across all European nations? I mean, where is the nub of the problem here?
2: You know, again, from, from a personal perspective, and looking back uh, at my time in the shooting times in the early 90s, there was a very sceptical narrative Running through the entire shooting press about the effectiveness of alternatives to lead, um, we had some very good writers working on all the magazines at that point. You know, these were people who were not just hobby writers; these were some very good people who who, who also shot, who were commenting, who were commenting on all the um, kind of shooting kind of topics of the day, and they were. Very sceptical about what was available then, and much more than now. It's very difficult to to perhaps explain to audiences today who are used to social media and the influence of of all of that how important the magazines were then in driving the understanding around the kind of topic. and And I, and I think what we are experiencing today is is a tale of that old. Uh, you know, it's, it's 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 almost turned into folklore about the effectiveness of uh non-lead shots so so we we have this kind of thing that's almost been passed down from father to son about you know uh, you know you can't shoot with steel you can't you can't shoot with business and i think that's, that's We're in the 2020.
0: Issue. We're in 2020. We've got, you know, I mean, I would accept that 30 years ago, that might be the case. But now we are in a world that, you know, huge environmental um, concerns are, are on our everyday screens or everyday media, wherever you are, whatever your role in the oh, countryside. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're aware of of how important our uh, ecosystem is and but, the diversity, you know, biodiversity and loss and things. So why are the hunting communities so slow to, to change. I mean, what's the problem? Do we need better regulation? No,
2: I, I what's, absolutely, what's I absolutely stand by my folklore narrative. I really do, uh, because you know I've had many conversations with, with, with people who work on these old facts that they are absolutely sure, absolutely sure are right. But actually, when you speak to people and you talk about lead poisoning, and you talk about all of the issues around it. And then you you you, uh, you 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 say this really simple fact that I'm really fond of, which is you know you you have lead, which has already been, been said, is, is is a toxin with no accepted safe levels. If you take that scientific argument out of the um, uh, the shooting world, then actually any objections to shooting or not, and I don't really want to go there, I'm a hunter and this is it, but any objections to shooting are reduced to a moral basis, and you can have a Moral argument, but you can't really have a have a uh, have a credible argument about shooting while lead is still present. It, it's it's. I think it's a nonsense. It's a personal viewpoint, but I think what's encouraging is that um, when I speak to to younger shooters um, and and the children of some of those shooters who had those historic attitudes about non toxic shot, younger shooters completely get it, and actually. They, they kind of scratch their heads and say, well, I don't quite understand what mm-hmm. the issue is. Mm-hmm. And I think if you made the ammunition available, more widely available, people would use it. But, but you know, without wishing to lose any friends here, there is a reticence with some of the ammunition manufacturers to, uh, to properly engage in this space. And, you know, this is not a new issue. It's been known about since at least 1983, as everybody said. And it's been known about, more broadly since the late 19th century you you know that's 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 absolutely clear and i believe that necessity is the mother of invention and i'm absolutely convinced that any objections that the ammunition manufacturers put up that they can work around those problems i just don't believe the problems that are still put forward today are necessarily insurmountable there are lots of ways forward
0: Niels, you've obviously not had a problem with ammunition manufacturers, have you? Because you're clearly getting a good quality flow of ammunition that your hunters are using.
1: No, we have, yes. You, you asked, where, where does this opposition come from? I don't think it comes from the, from the hunters as such. It's um, mostly from perhaps from some of their organisations. And I think you've seen that in the UK also, that hunters organisations, different competing organisations, has used this issue as a, uh, an issue to compete um, on, on each side, with each other uh, to be as popular as popular, uh, as possible and um, so I think the opposition has arrived, all, uh, arrived risen also in the in the hunters association, and then, as John says also in the ammunition industry and in a way that 's quite simple to understand because it 's also about profit. Um, uh, many companies earn a lot of money on on lead ammunition. Also, by for instance, producing the the lead shot. Um, it's more complicated with steel shot because most steel shot is important to, it, today. Is imported from from China. So, in a way, the industry loses uh, uh, not a, uh, a hand that lays golden egg, but a hand that lays lead eggs, which is also uh, which is also profitable. So there's, a, in, in, uh, there's an economical interest from the industry to, to sustain lead ammunition. So that's also an issue that you need to bring in, into this discussion.
0: Well, economics are really very important. But, Sasha, what is it that you want the EU to do? Because we talked at the beginning of the programme about, the, about mm-hmm. the, the the vote and, you know, the, the committee. Is it the REACH committee that's, that's due to have a vote? What is it that you're asking for?
3: What I would really like is a ban on lead shot. The first stage of the REACH committee um, is banning, is deciding on whether to ban lead over wetlands, which is a bit of a no-brainer. <laughs> it's a bit of a no-brainer. The argument is currently around the definition of wetlands, which sounds very much, I mean, it's it's a detail which I just think we should just be avoiding completely and just say ban the use of, of lead shot more broadly. Um, and so, yeah, that's what's being um, debated at the at the moment. But we've got to a stage now where it's the European Chemicals Agency which has made this recommendation. So this is an organization um, whose role is to uh, protect us from chemical poisonings. And if they're recommending a ban, then it should be a no brainer that um, governments right across Europe accept that. But it it seems that we are potentially gonna have some some challenges there with some organizations abstaining. Um, But what I'd really like to hear from is is Neil's explaining why the ban was actually essential in, in Denmark. It was not gonna be possible um, to have voluntary measures, because um, that I also found really interesting, particularly from the hunters.
1: Yes, we have in recent years made some investigations, some research, and in what different regulation types of regulations uh, would work. And we know that voluntary systems do not work because hunters are not motivated; they are ignorant; they don't have the the, the awareness. And if uh, if the system is not Supported from from authorities and so on, voluntary systems uh, will they will not work. Even partial systems that we started with back in the the eight, uh, 1980s, uh, with having bans only in some wetlands, showed up not to be efficient because it was difficult to enforce and to control. Uh, you needed to go out in the particular wetland, and in fact. Look into the pockets of the hunters to see what did he, what type of ammunition did he bring out there? He could he could bring lead ammunition legally. He couldn't use it there, but it was very difficult to enforce and to control. So it showed up, and that was the reason why we made a total total ban in '96. Um, That was not that we saw a lot of problems at that time with uh, lead shot in terrestrial. Uh, habitats. It was a simple uh, measure to improve the uh, control of uh, of uh, the enforcement of the regulations that we had, and that was the same reason also why we not only banned the use but also the possession and the trade of of lead shot, and that's what not what is coming up now. That is what is coming up now in in the EU system. That's a restriction, which is you uh, could say a total ban on on also import and and use and possession of of, of lead shot, and perhaps later on for other uh, types of ammunition. So And that is necessary. We know that from experiences from different countries, and we have quite a lot of uh, research also uh, making that pretty evident.
0: Julia, a ban is clearly effective. So is that what we're asking for here? I mean, the, the, I mentioned at the beginning of the programme that there's the REACH committee. I mean, listeners may not know what that is. So if you could just explain that, be good. But what is it we're asking the EU to do? Are we asking them to ban lead shot across the European Union? And even so, how will that affect us if we've, if we've exited from the EU? How can we use that to change minds here
4: in the UK? Ultimately, this problem isn't going away until we remove lead from ammunition. So wherever that's used, whether it's in wetlands, whether it's in terrestrial areas, uh, a restriction on lead shot in wetlands is, is an excellent next step. And it has significant impacts on reducing the death rates of water birds from lead poisoning and all those awful sublethal impacts we talked about earlier. But many of our water bird species, for example, they, they spend a lot of their time foraging outside of wetlands. And every hunter will know this, every sort of wildlife um, enthusiasts will know this when they see their swans and geese. Not, they spend most of their days actually out on agricultural farmland, where in many countries, you know, it's still legally permissible to shoot lead over those areas. So ultimately, we need to get rid of lead from ammunition. Um, there are alternatives available, as as Neil's and John have have sort of uh, just described. Um, but this is like a really pivotal moment, I, I feel, um, in the whole history of the lead poisoning issue. Um, we're on the eve of a vote by the REACH Committee, and the REACH Committee is an EU committee, which essentially is there to regulate hazardous chemicals. So they're they're there to protect us. And they have been given a recommendation by the European Chemicals Agency, um, which has said that basically we need to remove lead shot from wetlands, that's their first recommendation. their second recommendation, which is a bit further back in the whole process, a bit further behind at the moment, is to get rid of lead ammunition outside of those wetland areas as well. So there are these two proposals working their way through the European machine currently, and we're on the eve of a vote by the REACH committee for the lead uh, to remove lead shot from, from wetlands. Um, so it's a really key moment. And if this ultimately passes, this removes lead shot or the input of lead shot from t- from wetlands in 27 countries. So it is absolutely huge. It would be a massive conservation win um, for everyone, and that's for hunters alike. There'll be more birds for hunters. There'll be more birds for us to enjoy. And I think at this point, we've sort of, we've got to really ask ourselves: what sort of society do we want to live in? You know, do we want to live in one where we continue to pollute our environment? We we know all too well given the recent sort of COVID-19 pandemic, um, the serious implications of environmental damage to human health and the interconnectedness there of of human health and and wildlife health and the environment. Do we want to carry on with this norm of, of continued pollution? Or do we want to stand up and everyone take some leadership here and do the right thing when alternatives are available, the science is clear, the solutions are there with a bit of will We we can sort of all do this together, but I mean it won't come to any you know to to a surprise to anyone to know or to hear that you know the ammunition manufacturers are strongly lobbying against these restrictions. So I think there's a lot of business forces against this, but I think ultimately there's a bigger ethical question we all need to ask ourselves, and I think a lot of us will be sort of in the same camp. And in fact, you know I know Sasha has found this as well, but when we talk to all sorts of people that aren't related to hunting, that aren't related to conservation, that don't know anything about this issue, uh, when they hear, when they learn that lead is still, we're still eating it in our game meat and, you know, we're still chucking it into wetlands and into the environment willy-nilly, you know, they're just sort of like, why, hasn't, why is that the case? You know, why hasn't that been banned?
0: I do have to ask you, though, if it goes through, and we really fervently hope it does go through, how can, I mean, we've chosen in the UK to step out of Europe, so how can we use that piece of legislation to change the mindset of UK hunters? And, and, then, and obviously, we then need to talk about the human health aspect, and I need to come to John in a minute and ask him that. Do you
2: mind if I just had a point on the EU bit? Sorry, is that OK? Yeah, it's fine. You're you just sleeping. From a business perspective, remember, the one thing that is very, very powerful in this is the export market remember that game is exported from the UK to Europe and it's an important part of the economics of uh, the game meat industry. Um, And if you get a European ban that says lead is not acceptable in game meat, then suddenly if you want to export your meat to Europe, you have to change what you do in the domestic market to allow those export markets to remain open. So even You know, whatever happens with exiting the EU, the European vote is going to have an impact here, whatever happens.
0: That's really encouraging, John. Um, Can you just explain what Waitrose have done about this? Because I think it will probably come as a surprise to lots of listeners that if you go into your supermarket and you buy a piece of game, whether that's dark or venison or something, you are likely to be eating a piece of meat that has had lead shot in it. And therefore, you're likely to be ingesting, in some form, maybe a tiny trace, some lead. Is that right?
2: Um. Our, our game suppliers are really careful. In the uh, at the factories, they work really, really hard to remove lead and lead residue from the game meat, the the, the groceries. That's 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 the first thing I'd say, uh, and that's not a, a defensive lead. That's just a, a, a just a manufacturing process, and we also um for many years now even though it's not compulsory we make sure that the food standards agency lead shop warning is on the back of all our packs of game so on the on the back of every pack the food standards agency warning is absolutely clear but game meat you, you know if we can and this is going to sound a real real stupid thing to say so forgive me if we can just park the lead thing for just a second actual game meat um it's really popular with chefs it's very healthy it's very lean um it, It's it's kind of you know it's seen as being as being raised in in you know farm game the the, the shotgun states is raised in in effectively free range conditions which, which is great so it ticks a lot of boxes um but we had a debate in Waitrose and said look we we actually want to sell more more game because it's very popular and we also want to put the good health logo on there but we decided that that we you know, as, as long as lead is involved in the supply chain somewhere, um, we can't put that good health logo on pack. It just wouldn't be right because it's, uh, it's you know, it, it, it is healthy, but, you know, there's still this food standards agency warning um, about who can consume game on the back of pack. So so, so we, we wanted to change that. Um, and we were contacted by Rhys Green at Cambridge University and uh, and also to Debbie Payne at Cambridge. And we went to had a conversation with them, and they laid on the table all the current uh, kind of evidence around it, so lead poisoning, a lead shot, and everything else. And I was absolutely convinced. Having, in all honesty, having not thought about it personally for, for quite a few years, you know, I was suddenly reminded of all this stuff that I actually knew but, but, but just hadn't considered. And so, a change seemed an absolute no-brainer. And when we went to talk to the shooting estates that we source our game from, you know, we, we source our game from a handful of large estates who um, farm game to a certain standard. They, you know, we absolutely make 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 sure that these are the uh, that the game is reared to the highest standards. I, I I went to talk to them, and I I'll be honest with you, I was expecting to get. Um, some negative pushback from 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 the estates and the gamekeepers and i remember one one large estate in particular um i had a meeting with the keeper one morning who who sat there glaring at me arms arms crossed fixed expression looking absolutely fierce And i went through the whole pitch and said look can we can we change and he and he stared into my eyes and said i think it's a really good idea and so and it was just it was just and i was like Okay, that's not what I expected, but great. So, you know, just just to defend some of the of the shooters, actually, the estates and the estate managers mm-hmm. and the gamekeepers get it. They absolutely get it. And many of these people, remember, care passionately about wildlife. And and I know to some people, it seems like an oxymoron, but it's absolutely true. They have an interest in nature and an interest in in in, in wildlife, and they no more want to see. Um, wildlife poison than 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 anybody else does, and, and so we're pushing and it an open. We're, we're pushing, pushing it an a, open door
3: we're here. We're pushing
2: it we? an open door, but the right. issue is the attitudes um, of some of the people who go to the, mostly the ballistic efficiency of the alternatives from this historical folk narrative that I spoke about okay. earlier. That's that's the problem. And
0: just to clarify, and how do you should... please
2: that? And how do you please that? Because. It's not banned.
0: No, no. So we need a That's, ban. That, and just to that. clarify what you're saying, Waitrose is, is working towards having no lead shot in any of yeah. its game. Is that right?
2: That's correct. COVID-19 has slightly thrown a banner in the works because a lot of the estates are shooting this year. A lot yeah. of people, you know, so the supply chain is, is in a little bit of a mess for this season. So we might have to say, we absolutely say, we'll absolutely g- guarantee the non-lead shot piece for next season because we just don't know what yeah. what the state of the supply chain is going to be this year but but we are absolutely committed to uh, no longer using lead in our game supply yeah. chain
0: it seems to me that we're all in agreement here and what we're really asking for is we're asking for a ban because we need the legislation to reinforce the behavior changes and we have got behavior change on the ground from some but from not from others and that's really really important sasha
3: Okay. Yes, well, I have two things. One of them is that we haven't discussed at all why there is so much lead in it, because people will assume, well, I take the pellets out, I wouldn't bother eating them. So how am I going to get their poisoning? I would love for Julia to, to explain that for, for a moment. But I particularly like to ask John whether um, um, of your feeling on the, the likelihood of other supermarkets and supermarkets across Europe to follow suit on no longer cooking lead if we don't have a ban?
2: I can't speak about the European perspective, and it's quite difficult for me to speak with any real knowledge about the sourcing views of any other UK retailers. However, the numbers of retail game suppliers are quite small, and we know that when the that when we said that we were going to make a commitment to remove lead from our supply chain, um, that uh, other retailers who sell significant quantities of game we suddenly very interested in the practicalities of that. So I think at the end of the day, we sell food and we want to sell um, food that's wholesome and of high quality. And um, and, and, and I think uh, removing lead from from the supply chain absolutely feeds
4: into that point.
0: Julia, well, how could the lead in a, in a piece of game, if it, the shot's removed, affect our health?
4: With lead shot, it's a very soft sort of material. So when it impacts um on on the meat on the game bird um, it will actually fragment and distribute throughout the meat so um, whilst when you're eating game meat you can sort of pull out the big chunks of shot that you come up to eat them spit them out uh, yeah spit them out um, which is common practice um, what many people don't realize is actually distributed through the meat tiny tiny fragments of of this toxin uh, they won't necessarily see, they won't even taste it, they won't, you know, they, they'll just ingest it. And that is where the danger can lie. Um, and it can have all sorts of impacts on your neurology. Um, as, I, as I said earlier, I mean, lead is just an extremely toxic substance, uh, it can have impacts on your vital organs, your kidney, for example. And there are certain vulnerable groups um, where it can have particularly profound impacts, such as pregnant women and young children and regular consumers of lead shot game meat.
0: Yeah. So all around, it's a bad thing. I mean, this is a fascinating discussion, and there's so much more to say. And we, but we will need to pull it to a close. So, what I guess I'd like to ask you is, is very briefly, do you have a kind of closing call to action? I mean, what do you want people to do as a result of listening to
3: this podcast, Sasha? Um, oh, I personally would like for all of the progressive hunters out there. I think in order to start getting a, a kind of a, a movement of hunters, all of those progressive hunters who have seen the issues. Um, who have understood the kind of threats of lead and have seen how big an impact it's having on wildlife. Um, There's plenty of them out there. I speak to them all the time. Um, If they could start standing up and saying something, because they're the ones who are going to get a whole movement behind them, and that will stop the shooting organisations feeling like they have to still lobby on behalf of lead. Thank you.
1: Niels? Yes, I also want to address the hunters and try to explain to the hunters that this is in their clear self-interest. The rest of the society is getting rid of lead, and it's not sustainable for the future if hunting is still rely, relying on, on a toxic substance like lead. So, so this is not only possible, it's also necessary. John?
2: I think I'd echo uh, that point exactly, and I think that I would call on those who are sceptical, particularly... Um, in the shooting industry to get behind this because I think if you want to uh, continue um, to, to to shoot game in the future, this is a change that absolutely needs to happen and people need to stop thinking about this in terms of shooting uh, and start thinking in, about this in terms of um, uh, food and food ingredients. And I think that's really important. It's a really important mental shift.
4: Julia? I'd really like to call on ministers of agriculture and environment for countries um, in Europe um, and around the world to take some leadership on this issue um, and to support um, any sort of proposal to restrict uh, the use of lead shot in, in shooting and to really get ahead of the game for the benefit of the health of, of people and wildlife.
0: Very clear message from my guest today. Thank you so much, Julia, John, Sasha and Niels for joining us. This is a fascinating subject, but I think... I am taking away from this that lead it is bad. It's bad for us, it's bad for the birds, it's bad for the game, it's bad for the planet. And actually it's in the long run, it's bad for the shooters and the hunters. So we really need people to step up and, and change the narrative around this. And we look to the EU to take the bold and brave step to actually ban this and to have some leadership which we then can follow. And hopefully the business community will, will row in as well, because the, John's point about the export market is key to this. Huge thank you to my guests. Thank you so much for joining us, um, for sharing your passions and your insights and your expertise and knowledge. Um, it's been fantastic to have you on the pod. Thank you too, as always, to my um producer Jim who continues to produce amazing programs despite the challenges of remote editing and a huge thank you to our Planet Pod listeners. Keep in touch we love to hear from you you can tweet us on at underscore pod or you can email us beth at theplanetpod.com um, with program ideas or suggestions or visit our website www.theplanetpod.com to download previous episodes catch our partner episodes with Blue Marine and Grantham Institute or to subscribe. If you listen to the podcast on an app please take a moment to rate and review the pod because we really appreciate your support and feedback. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Planet Pod is brought to you by Akil Management. My thanks to our producer Jim Haywood and our researcher Beth Palmer. And to you our listeners without you we'd be very lonely. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at planet_pod or visit our website please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you with ideas for future programmes. Thanks for listening.